Lace up your boots and grab your mouth guards. It's time for the Rugby Wrap, the podcast about all things Western Force and the game we love. Well, hello everyone and welcome to this special edition of the Rugby Wrap coming to you live from the Australian Rugby Business Network events being hosted at the Pitcher Partners offices overlooking the magnificent Elizabeth Peak. My name's Mick Collis and I'm joined, hopefully as always, by former Wallaby Mitch Hardy. Mitch, good to see you. Lovely to be here, Mick. Uh, thanks uh, very much for having us at the Rugby Business Network. Hopefully you're reading me loud and clear from uh, beautiful Halls Creek in the Kimberley. Um, we'll see how the internet goes tonight, but uh, all things fail, then Mick and Heath will be more than competent to be able to carry things on. And I, I believe there, is that Ronnie Hurst in the front row at the Rugby Business Network tonight? Yes, it is, Mitch. <laughs> oh, Cottesloe people everywhere. God, don't you love them? Um, yeah, no, it's great to be here and uh, looking forward to tonight's episode. Yeah, mate, so keep pedalling. Uh, and it's also terrific to be sitting alongside one of the Rugby Raps crowd favourites in Heath Testman. And Tess, you've been out with a broken jaw. How's the recovery coming along? Oh, yeah, the recovery's going brilliantly. We've got a mouthful of metal, <laughs> plates in here, holes through here. The swelling's gone down. I don't look like the uh, character Quagmire from the family guy anymore, fortunately. Uh, still on the smoothies. So I'm just hanging for a steak, hanging for anything with some texture in it. I was drooling watching my kids eat a taco shell the other day. And, uh, just something to the crunch. But um, feeling good. On the way back up, I'm ready to have a good chat about some rugby. Excellent. Well, we've got a big show coming and, up. And, and Heath, can I just interject there? Who, which opposition to club did you do that against, mate? Uh, it was when we beat UWA, actually. Oh, right. Okay. We won that game but before he ended up finishing his minor premiers as well. So oh, was- man, I'm sorry. Those we- UWA we- blokes, they're very brutal. We know we'll cover that later. <laughs> We've got a big show coming up with a great guest and plenty to talk about. But before we do, I'd like to bring in the host of the event tonight from the Rugby Business Net- Network, Gareth Lee Bell. And Gareth, thanks for having us here at Pitcher Partners for the Rugby Business Network. Afternoon too. It's very, very, uh, all my pleasure uh, is, is all I can say. Um, I'm very grateful that on short notice you accepted our invites um, and that Daniel from Pitcher Partners uh, agreed to host us in this wonderful venue and that all of you uh, who, are, who are attending have decided to sort of uh, use your time tonight to come along and listen to uh, the fantastic trio uh, that is the Rugby Wrap. Um, the Rugby Business Network are very grateful that you help support our event. Um, and certainly it's something that we hope might be able to continue with yourselves, with uh, such amazing guests as Tyler Miller, and uh, and hopefully continues to be supported. As uh, tonight has been. We've got a lot of listeners right around the country. What is the Rugby Business Network? Uh, so we are a, um, a network that helps connect business people with a passion for rugby. Um, we organize networking events where we get you to come along um, listen to a speaker who's either been involved in rugby at a professional level recently or in their past lives, have um, some connection to business, either through the transition that they've made. Mr. Hurst is a very good example. Uh, he managed to deliver a fantastic talk uh, about the, the ability for Optus Stadium to host rectangular sports such as rugby. And um, we're very grateful for everyone else who has either attended a previous event um, or is looking forward to the next one as well. And if people want to get involved, how do they get involved? Um, the, the best bet is to look for Australian Rugby Business Network uh, online. Um, we run an Instagram account called Perth RBN, um, a Twitter account called Oz RBN, uh, and a Facebook page which is Rugby or Rug 
Biz Network. I'll provide some links and maybe you could kindly put them in the show notes. Will do. And again, look, thanks very much for having us and um, we'll, we'll see you other night. Thank you up. so much. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, the Olympics and the Paralympics have provided a much needed distraction for a lot of people during COVID. Ratings were absolutely through the roof. And one person who had a better view than most was the Rugby Olympic Sevens referee, Tyler Miller, and she joins us now. So Tyler, welcome to the Rugby Wrap. We'll get to the, um, to the Olympics, but how did you first get into refereeing? Um, I was 12 and I was playing just at ARCs, one of the local clubs. Um, and then they sort of got to that age where there was no rugby for girls anymore, but my brother still played and my dad still played, so I still had to go anyway. So I was like, well, I may as well do something. Started on the sidelines, like ARing, and then eventually picked up the whistle and that was it. So. And what have been some of the, the challenges for you, especially starting off? Yeah, there were a lot. Um, I think I didn't really know what I was doing, you know. Like, I was like, oh, I'm just here because I want to fill my time. I've got to be here anyway. You're right. Brooks have never had any idea what they're doing. I was waiting for me to chip in. I'm going to be very nice to Tyler tonight. She, I've known her for a long time since she was very little when she started that refereeing. So I'm not going to do any sledging tonight. Um, and yeah, I mean, like I look back now, and a lot of people are like, "Oh, you were the first like female doing rugby." It's like, well, I didn't feel like that. You know, I was just doing it because that's what I wanted to do. Um, and I think some of those challenges along the way looking back were probably a lot bigger than what I realised they were in that moment. Um, but I'm here and I'm okay, so <laughs> must have been all right. So you're obviously becoming a bit of a role model for young girls and a, and a mentor. Did you have a mentor, anyone to, that you could go and see or look up to? Um, yeah, to an extent. So um, Julie Skiba locally, she's, all, she's been involved with the Referee Association since day one. Um, and then over east, there have been a few females that have always been involved that I've known about. Um, but there was never really like a, okay, this is what you can do. It was just a, that's what they're doing. And it's like, well, what's the dots? How do I get from here to there? Um, so that was a bit of a journey. Um, and it still is a journey because it's still not written down on paper really. But, yeah, um, I think the more people become involved and the more females take up the game, it becomes a bit a bit clearer. And when you've got people like Mitch Hardy on the sidelines <laughs> yelling out, can you hear that? Um, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> if you're down at Soaks on a Saturday and you're right near the hill, you hear everything. <laughs> um, likewise at Cot, you hear most of the stuff coming from the wall, but uh, like most of the time, no, you don't hear much of it, unless it's coming from the players. But <laughs> and, and is there much of a difference? You're obviously referring more men than women. Um, locally, yes. Yeah. So Internationally, it, just women. So is there, is there much of a difference, do you find? Um, not really. No, not at all. That's good. <laughs> We're yeah. just in all the cheats, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when, when you're making decisions, I mean, that's the thing that Mitch Hardy obviously always fires up about. What are the things that you look for? Um, I mean, obviously we've got triggers and, you know, you, you look for players doing certain things, but you also think about, okay, what um, area of the field are we on? Are they attacking? Are they defending? Like, why would they be giving away that penalty and scrum when they're, you know, attacking five metres out? So there are so many things that go into it. Um, and also, like, 
if you've just read 75 minutes, you're a bit natural. You're then making those decisions <laughs> under fatigue. There's all these things that play into account. It's not just the obli whistle and, you know, it is what it is. That is what it is at the end of the day. But um, there is a lot that does go into it, yeah. That, that, that fatigue side is a big thing, and that's why physically you guys have to work really hard as a referee as well, isn't Yeah, it? and I think, like, people don't think about that. Mm. They obviously see us out there making these decisions, but we do have to train to be able to mentally be sharp enough to make those decisions in that last play of the game when a game's on the line for a team. So, yeah, we train. We train a lot. <laughs> and any if you had advice to young girls thinking about getting into refereeing, what would you say to them? Why not? I mean, what do you have to lose? We we pay you, actually. So you don't get paid to play for your club, but you can get paid to referee your club. <laughs> um, and I think there is a um, career progression that is available as well through... Um, refing, not that there isn't through playing because that pathway now is, you know, sevens, fifteens, it's viable for um, a lot of players. But refereeing is also that pathway if people want to take it up. Yeah. And it's it's so vital, like the game won't go on without it. How are the numbers of refs coming through the system? Not great. Not great. <laughs> not very good at all. Okay. Um and what why is that? Apart yeah. from people like me charting on the hill. Well, I think people like Richardi on the hill. <laughs> uh, like no, in all seriousness, there is. I think people at the end of the day um, just don't want to get abused. Yeah. And I mean, I've experienced even some this year in a local club game. I was just like, why do I? Why do I do this on my Saturdays? Mm. Um, you know. And I can deal with it professionally. It's what I've chosen to do. So you know, I will. Um, Go to sleep at the end of the day after every view, and it's all right. But you know, a 12 year old can't deal with that. Yeah. My mum refuses to come to my games because she can't deal with it. Um, and yeah, I think that's the number one reason that um, people either aren't taking it up or drop out after they have taken it up. So, yeah. so Mitch, how do we overcome that? Well, I was just thinking, Mickey, Tyler, do you think it's harder to progress in a place like WA or easier? Because obviously, if you were coming through the ranks in somewhere like a Sydney or a Brisbane where there's a lot more um, focus on the competitions there, do you think it's harder or easier coming through a place like WA? I think uh, it's hard because if I look at my pathway, it's been pretty, you know, zero to 100 Really, they wanted to get me from A to B as quick as possible. But you look at someone yep. like Coops and his pathway has been a lot longer and he's had to battle through, you know, a lot more years than what I had to do. I know my pathway was different because I chose sevens and fifteens is what he does. Um, but, you know, the question has been asked, well, if he was in Sydney, would he be refing tests or would he have been at super before he was um, so yeah, I think it, it is different. I don't know. There's pros and cons. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And what about, what about playing, playing wise? What, what age did you have to give up playing rugby to, to pick up the whistle? And do you think that's a bit of a, a barrier to, um, females moving through that referee pathway by not having a stronger female competition to, of which we can recruit female referees out of? Yeah, I mean, I was 12, so, yeah. you know, if I wanted to keep playing, they told me, oh, okay, well, when you get to 16, 
we'll let you play women's rugby. We'll dispensate you. It's like, are you, <laughs> that's four years off. Like, what do I do between now and then? Um, but I don't know. Even you look at the female competition in Perth now, and um, I was talking to Karen recently on her podcast about there was a team one year at Pally. They won the women's premiership. The next season, they couldn't even field a team. Yep. What? So, so do you think? So do you think that? Do you think that's a disadvantage by you you having to give up so young, and then you've got a real passion for refereeing? But do you think that's a disadvantage that you weren't able to continue playing all the way up to sort of an adult age because that would have complemented your refereeing and allow you to to learn more about what the players are trying to achieve in the game? One hundred percent. All the refs over east that we see coming through the pathway um, that are still playing and take up the whistle. They are told, like, play for as long as you can and get as much out of that as you can to then complement your refing. And if it comes to the point where you have to make a decision between playing and refing, you've not had to sacrifice. Whereas I didn't have that option. It was just, okay, I'll blow the whistle and put the flag up, you know. Um, and I think you do see the benefits of that in referees. A lot of the guys that have come through Super Rugby have been that. They've played for as long as they could until they couldn't anymore. And then they picked up the whistle and you see those benefits in their refereeing game um, as opposed to, you know, I mean, you think of the ones that are coming through now, there's not many of them that are like me, purely just referees. So, yeah, that speaks to that, I think. But, but I think what did help you, however, is that you've got a really strong rugby family that, um, supported you along the way. Like I know, I know your dad's still involved in arcs in various shapes, ways, and forms. I always run into him every now and then. But he was obviously very supportive of your referee pathway along the way. Yeah, and I mean, he was refing himself as well. So you know, at the end of the day, I didn't have anywhere else to be except at rugby on a Saturday. So <laughs> you had no choice. <laughs> I had to make out of it what I could. But yeah, that helps. I think, you know, if you've got, um, I don't know, a sibling that's playing a different sport and you're divided or your household is, you know, split up between whatever sport you're playing, that support probably isn't there. But I'm not sure how many families these days are just through and through rugby because of kids playing AFL or playing soccer. And so I think that connection with schools playing footy and then, you know, converting that into clubs and then getting the parents involved and then getting them involved with, you know, business network and stuff like that. I think there is um, a lot that has fallen off that used to be there that is just sort of missing these days. And, and I, I guess, Mickey, we'll sort of segue to the Olympics in a minute, but have you got a preference between 15s and 7s about about managing those type of games and, and a preference there? I mean, you don't really manage in 7s. You just sort of go out for 15 minutes and, like, say nothing and blow the whistle <laughs> you can and then just leave whereas you know 15s is a lot of like mentally you walk off at the end and you're just fried you just need to go sit down and just like decompress and just not talk to anyone for a while whereas sevens you're good to go again you know um so it is different my personal preference is with sevens um but i still love 15s um i'd love to do both um but yeah i know some referees would never walk onto a game of sevens in their life, which is fair enough. I can't blame them, to be fair. Um, but Too yeah. fast. Oh, some players as well. <laughs> some players, players as well. <laughs> no pathway for Heath. <laughs> Not on the sevens network. 
So speaking of sevens in, in the Olympics, um, how was that experience? Was that your first first Olympics? It was my first Olympics, yeah. It was um it was very surreal. Yeah. So the team that I went with, refereeing team, half of them or half of us, sorry, it was our first Olympics and the other half had been to Rio as well. So we were, you know, the newbies. Um and it was just I've been to Japan before with rugby, so I knew what it could have been like. Mm. And I think um, knowing that and knowing that like every session for the sevens would have been sold out. And then we got to an empty stadium. But not only that, like we had to eat our meals in our hotel room. We couldn't leave the hotel at all. We were just in this complete bubble. But we still went to an Olympics, you know. Mm. I still got to see a medal ceremony and see... (laughs) New Zealand women do the haka after they've won and all the commiserations with Australia getting knocked out in the quarters and just all of that emotion, it was just like, okay, like take a step back. It's still the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it was actually a bit of a beacon to the world to be like, we can actually get back to doing things like this. Yeah. Let's start taking these steps and um, see see what we can actually do. Because it was, was there, um, you talked about there's a lot more pressure mentally in 15, but <laughs> refereeing at the Olympics, does that increase the level of pressure on you as a referee? Because a lot of those games are pretty tight and can hinge on that decision. Yeah, I find in sevens they sort of just back you to make the decision and then get on with it, like make the decision and then move on, whereas in 15s you have a bit more time to be like, you know, swelling about all the ins and outs and whatnot. Um but you're right, you make one decision in sevens and it could be huge. Mm. So there is that at the end of the day. And I think part of it, you get to, you know, semi-final games where like a team got knocked out um, and the referee did, did nothing wrong. Like their decisions on text and in review, our coaches said, no, actually they were, they were fine. She got just bombarded on social media. Right. She had to change her Facebook profile because the team found her and were just like, you know, yeah. inundating her with stuff. And so I know that happens in the 15 side of things as well. There's been a few um, examples recently, but it does happen in sevens as well. Um, and, yeah, I think making those decisions in sevens, it's it's tough because it is a single decision. As in 15s, I'll look at it and be like, oh, they made this one and this one and this one and then combine them and, you know. Yeah. Um, so it is, yeah, it's a different kind of fish. Mitchell, have, do you get on Facebook to referees or just shout out to them from the hill? <laughs> no, just shout out from the hill. Uh, Nick, Nick Berry, I think, got a bit of a spray during the, the course of this year. Or was it last year? I can't remember. But, um, yeah, I think Nick Nick upset me one time and I I probably, um, no, I keep my um, my venting to uh, the rugby rap uh, WhatsApp chat. Normally. <laughs> Good. Uh, and do you think the women and the men underachieved over there? Australia? Um, I mean, I don't get to referee Australia, so... You watch think, them? Did you watch them? Yeah, I do. I do watch yeah. them because, you know, I was born in New Zealand, but I'm an Aussie. I support the Wallabies, which is, you know. Um, I think... I'm not sure whether they under, underachieved or not. I was just gutted for them. Yeah. Um, especially the women having won gold at the last Olympics. And then to be knocked out in quarters. Did they get a bit of, were they a bit cocky, do you think, going into that? No, I don't think they were. I don't think they were. We were in Townsville maybe six weeks ago doing a a pre-tournament at Oceania Sevens. So it was Fiji, Australia, New Zealand, and then there was a um, development squad. 
Um, so we sort of had a bit of an idea after that what the Olympics was going to look like. They picked their teams after that tournament. Um, they had some pretty big injuries at that tournament. Chloe Dalton broke a cheekbone. Elliot Green wasn't selected after that. And so I think on the back of that, they are probably in a phase where they were just like, all right, let's just go and make the most of it with what we can. And I think they did that. They tried their hardest. Um, but New Zealand were phenomenal. Um, you know, the other teams that won medals and won their quarters were phenomenal. Mm. Um, and so I think it's hard to say, yeah, whether they underperformed or whether they just did the best that they could. Yep. Yeah. And so where to for you? Where next for you? Well, we've been told essentially, so we've been selected for the next seven series, so the World Series, but we have been told we won't be appointed because they can't afford for us to quarantine essentially because oh. that'll be their cost. Yeah. Um, so Australia, New Zealand, Fiji, no officials for the next year. Wow. Um, Is that, so who can't afford that rugby Australia, do you mean? No, 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 it'll be world rugby. Oh, world rugby. But it's, it's world the cost rugby. of, it's yeah, the cost okay. of, you know. Um, One person like you. No, no, myself, Maddie, Amy, the boys, all of the Kiwi refs, all of the Fijian refs, they're probably looking at a cost of anywhere between 12 and 15 people. Yeah. That they, they just can't afford it you right. know, to quarantine. Um, and they've said that from, from the get-go, that's the only reason that we can't appoint you, um, which is pretty gut-wrenching because what do I do? Um, yeah. But it is what it is, you know. Wow. I can't do anything about it, so mm. I just have to keep running. <laughs> Which I hate. Yeah. But keep training. <laughs> it'd, be nice and, uh, if, it'd be nice if some of the fat cats had a bit of a lower salary yeah. to possibly cover some know. of your, your costs. Know. That came out of your, your yeah. mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something weird. <laughs> All right. Um, well, look, we'll move on. So, Ty, congratulations. It's been a, a great career. Long may it continue. And Thank thanks you. very much for joining us on the Rugby Wrap. Thanks, Pete. So we move on to the mailbag, which is one of our favourite segments. And the big news coming out is it looks like the on-again, off-again on will be held on Sunday, the 5th of September, which is Father's Day. So all dads can wake up. They can get a copy of Australia's Toughest Sports People, which is available at all good bookstores, and then head out, <laughs> head out to watch the Wallabies. Um, so that's good. So, Mitch, I'll go to you first. What did you make of the All Blacks pulling out of that game on the 28th and how that all came about? Oh, absolutely filthy, Mick. And wasn't Dave Rennie filthy, which was really refreshing to, to see a Kiwi filthy about Kiwis. Um, but uh, certainly, certainly poor fall from them. But, um, you know, I think they're going to have to force their hand now and it'd be great if we can get that match rescheduled. A Sunday afternoon, who doesn't love a game of rugby on a Sunday afternoon? It's terrific if they can get that rescheduled. I noticed they announced the, uh, the rest of the rugby championship at, um, just recently in the last 24 hours, which is great to see. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of disappointed people all around the country. Um, not only the ones that bought tickets for the game that was ideally this weekend, but, um, you know, all punters everywhere. That was just, uh, really deflating, I think. And I think the Wallabies themselves, like I was at the, uh, the Rugby WA long lunch last Friday and the Wallabies themselves were filthy and, and really deflated. You know, they'd done, 
preparation that thought they'd done all the right things by New Zealand Rugby Union in hosting the back-to-back tests at Eden Park. Uh, so when you when you do the right thing by your cousins and they turn around and slap you in the face like that, it uh, leaves a pretty foul taste. And Dave Rennie certainly didn't hold, hold back uh, with his disappointment about that decision. But uh, let's hope they formally announce the Sunday game very soon because uh, I'm very much looking forward to my Swan River cruise. We're fit to travel with Muzza, Muzza Ski there. Um, and I think there's a there quite a few people that are wanting to get their Father's Day plans in order, me included. And uh, the WA's just put the hard water up for New Zealand. So that starts from midnight. Apparently, all blacks get here tomorrow at 3.30. So no one's really sure whether what's happening with that either. So... Um, well, apparently there's a seven there's a seven day exemption that can be applied if they've been in a bubble prior. So, um, yeah, there's there's that there's a sort of a get out of jail clause around a seven day bubble if they've been in a bubble prior um, that they might be able to play that card. Yeah, right. And Tess, would that have come out last weekend if the series was still alive? Oh, if the series was still alive, I think definitely. I think they would have got straight on the plane. As much as we want to debate their reasoning behind it. There was a, the bird as I was going to be here, it was going to be up for grabs. You would have had to, you know, hold them off the plane. I think it would have been straight over like the Wallabies were the week before to get down and, and battle straight away and make sure they were as prepared as they could be. Um, you know, it's, it's nice that they can sit back there for an extra week, leave a few guys uh, at home as well, come out and talk straight about that and be direct with leaving, leaving Mwanga, leaving Whitelock and uh, Aaron Smith at home. And, you know, that's, They've got plenty of riches over there, so they're still going to bring a very strong team. And I just hope, and I know that from how strongly Dave Rennie's been talking about it, um, he's going to use that and and all the boys who are still here in town kind of stewing and waiting for their opportunity to get to get in front of everyone here at Optus. Uh, they, they're going to use it with plenty, plenty of motivation as well. And they threw out the, the player welfare card, which is you know, fair, possibly fair enough. You spent a lot of time on the road with the force during the COVID. Was that a legitimate excuse or reason? It's oh, it's it's a hard, it's a hard one, and you've got to tiptoe along this. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what you think. I can understand. <laughs> I can understand that they weren't. They wanted to know when they were leaving because they won't be coming back until a certain date. But I feel if they they're prepared, the plan was that they were going to be going on this day. They're going to be coming back then. What, you know, why does the plan have to change? Because hmm. the Wallabies have been here. They've been on the road. Yeah, and they're going to still be on the road and that people aren't, you know, New South Wales Wallabies aren't going to be going back to Sydney anytime soon. Victorian Wallabies aren't going to be doing that. They're heading up north as well. Hmm. So, yeah. And Mitchell, it's good to see some Wallabies at the club games last weekend. Yeah, absolutely, Mick. They um, they got out in their, their three little groups there and went down to uh, Netherlands, Cot and UWA, with, which brought a little bit of criticism from the Adelaide clubs around the Perth districts um, why they couldn't get out and about to community rugby. But it was, you know, you can, it's it's the, you know, you, you're dead if you do, dead if you don't, aren't you? But um, it was great to see the guys out and about. And certainly um, the guys I saw down at UWA, they, they arrived well before kickoff. They stayed the whole game. They interacted with the kids, the crowd. I saw photos posted on the Netherlands um, Instagram, Facebook pages of um, terrific day down there. And obviously the cop guys um, supported the, um, I think it was the 20, was it the 25th anniversary of the Seagulls? Um down, down there at Cot, the, 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 the women's rugby team had a big hit out and they could really got behind them. You know, Craig Cooper was there and, and all the guys. So, um, you know, you, 
you got to take it when it comes. We don't get the Wallabies in Western Australia very often. We don't get them in Perth very often. So if they do get the opportunity to get out to community rugby, you know, they obviously uh, get really, really much, very much appreciated. And, you know, it's a shame they didn't get to all the clubs on the day, but, you know, you've got to understand that they've got their own schedules that they're going to manage as well. Yeah. And you mentioned the rugby championship. So that's just been announced that it, uh, it's all going to be taking place in Queensland. So it's, Round three it will be on Sunday the 12th of September, New Zealand versus Argentina and South Africa versus Australia. That'll be at Seabus Super Stadium on the Gold Coast. Um, the times will vary according to the NRL and the AFL, what the broadcasters want to do. And then the All Blacks and Springboks clash for their 100th test at the Queensland Country Bank Stadium in Townsville on Saturday, September 25th. So that'll be a big day out of Townsville for that milestone game. And the All Blacks are excited that that's going to be up for Townsville because I think that was that was going to be over in South Africa that game. So yes. they're pretty happy that they yeah, don't need to Park or travel over there. <laughs> Oh, just Queensland just stepping up. They're the new, they're the new Melbourne, aren't they? The new Victoria, where yeah. they're just stepping up and just hoovering up events left, right, and centre off the back of the the Olympics being announced there, and uh, little pieces in the media about potential relocation of the Australian Institute of Sport to Queensland. They've just hoovered up the the uh, the rugby championship in double headers. I mean, how lucky! How, I mean, if you're in Queensland, you'd just be going, "How good is this?" Um, whereas New South Wales and Victoria, the you know. Gladys has completely ballsed it up there. So, um, but you know, it's fantastic, fantastic for rugby and fantastic for Australia to host all those teams. It's just a shame we didn't get them in WA. What happened? I thought we were on the we were on the cards for it. Do you ask Ronnie? Hurt? Oh, I think, I think money. Yeah, Ronnie knows how uh, politics work in government, and maybe Queensland had a bigger check. I'm not sure, but also you you've got to keep in mind the AFL still making decisions around where the AFL finals are going to be. So maybe. Um, that's the silver lining for WA if there is one is that they might pick up the AFL finals and um, they, they would certainly be well attended. But um, obviously the distance and the, the harsh border control is also an impact. As much as I love WA as well in Perth, I think we'd struggle to fill stadiums for all those games as well, having them just all here. We can't take them anywhere else. They're able to put them in three cities up the coast, three different, you know, hey, you people. Good. Well, yeah, but... It's going to be everyone in this room going to be the same people <laughs> talking out to the game. We'll be skipped by you. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, the Paralympics, as we mentioned, are uh, currently on, and the Steelers, Australia's wheelchair rugby team, they're the reigning gold medalists. Uh, shout out to Riley Batt. He's generally viewed as the best player in the world. Made his Paralympic debut in Athens at 16, youngest ever, competing in his fifth games in Tokyo. But the Australians played Denmark today, and in a massive upset, went down 54 to 53 to Denmark, uh, and the US who won the silver medal last year or last time up 63 to 35 over New Zealand. So uh, if you haven't seen that, it's fantastic to watch. Um, some bad news around rugby. All the Australian rugby uh, pathways, competition pathways have been suspended. So all junior rugby championships, under nine rugby champs, all under 18 National Academy, junior wallabies and Australian schools have all been suspended. Mm-hmm. Really, um, for the time, which is frozen. Is he doing himself or not? And then um, Super Rugby for 2022. The format's been confirmed. So the five Australian teams, Reds, Brumbies, Force, Rebels and Waratahs, be joined by the five Kiwi teams, as well as the expansion sides, Moana Pacifica and Fiji and Drua. Uh, the 12 franchises face each other once before playing three additional round-robin matches, which we'll get to. So it's a 14-game regular season. The top eight progress to knockout quarterfinals. Eight teams out of 12 make the semis or the quarters. Too many? Oh, 
Yeah, it's just a reward to, mediocrity. It, it absolutely it's, rewards mediocrity. Mediocrity. We can see that um, the eighth place team, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's no second chance for anyone no, so in that final so series. So it's a top eight, first place eight, second place seven, third place sixth, and fourth place fifth. And if you lose, yeah, you're out. Yeah. So no, there's no, there's no advantage in winning. There's no reward just performing well no, through the season. As long as you finish top eight, you've got as much chance as everyone else. Yeah, that that as a player, as a player, out. Oh, well, look, if you if you're coming in, in that eighth squad, if you're the team in that so eighth that, squad as a player, you are just you're 100. We're in this. We're in with a yeah. chance, and we've got to crack it, knocking off the top team. But yeah. As someone looking at the structure of the competition from the outside in now, you can't help but think it's rewarding. Two-thirds of the teams in the competition are getting crack at the finals. Yeah. <laughs> There's not too many comps in the world where you get that chance. And they're talking about playing three additional round-robin matches. They're not sure how they're going to do that because um, apparently New Zealanders don't want that because well, Rugby Australia wants it to be derbies to try and get more yeah. people through, but the New Zealanders think that's an advantage because our games are easier than their games. And the other option was just pick it out of a hat. So why are they doing these other three games? Uh, there was a, there was another structure spoken about dependent on oh, where the teams finished yeah, in top, like before, bottom. Yeah. Whether, so were they going to be taking a top with a bottom playing them up against each other, or are they going to make a top four team play each other, yeah. middle tier team play each other, bottom tier team? So what's the what's the point of those three extra games? Just to make the season longer oh, because there's only so yeah, a few more tickets, a few more tickets, so a few more games. Yeah. Now, Mitch, have we got you with us? Yeah. Mitch, I'm back, Mickey. I'm back. Hey, we this, just, is, this, this is exactly how the podcast usually runs as well. Yeah. <laughs> we, we usually edit that bit out, don't we? Yeah. We just talked about yeah. the, um, the new format for the Super Rugby next year with the top eight teams all making the semifinals. Oh, please. Please. So we've got a, so we've got 12 teams is kind of sort of confirmed and then everyone plays each other once and then we're going to go top eight, are we? Is that yeah. so the Australian is that so the Australians can make the semis? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The quarters. Well, at least one will. <laughs> oh, nearly. We just got so close to getting it right, didn't we? Just so close. Uh, anyway, we'll see what happens. But you know, I think the the Super Rugby AU and the Super Rugby um, uh, ATRO moulding together Trans Tasman. You know, I didn't mind that formula, and I thought it was quite good because it certainly got a bit of excitement about the Aussie teams playing the Aussie teams. But uh, I do like the idea of going back to the future, the Super Twelve, everyone playing against each other. But I'm probably not a big fan of the top eight. I'd probably like to see just a traditional semi-final format. Yeah, definitely. And it tests Australia teams. Australia teams have just got to be good enough. Simple as that. And mate, before we wrap it up, just quickly, Club Rugby in Perth. Oh, massive. So we got to uh, round 18 last weekend. Um, there were some big games all around. It got right down to the wire. The, the draw between Netherlands and Palmyra was an absolute deal breaker. So Netherlands were able to hold on and win the minor premiership. Um, Pally have been in fantastic form the last few weeks and snuck in uh, to claim fourth spot. Uh, the West UWA game, well, UWA got out to a pretty good start against West and West were never able to uh, peg them back. And the poor old boys have been relegated to the second division championship finals, uh, finishing in fifth spot. Kalamunda didn't have a great run over the last 
a few weeks, so they'll they'll also feature in the second division semis. But this weekend, the Cot UWA game down at Cot should be an absolute cracker. And Netherlands hosting Pally again for a turn match from the draw from last week should also be an absolute cracker. So, um, and the, and Kalamunda Cal- hosting the grand finals in a couple of weeks. Uh, well done to the Kalamunda Rugby Club for winning the uh, the rights to host grand final weekend. So, is it is the semis this weekend or next weekend? Uh, sorry, next weekend, mate. Fourth, fourth, and fifth of September. So it will, it will work around the potential Bledisloe Cup weekend. So everyone's got a, a week off this week. Um, there's also a preliminary final for the for the um, women's game for the rights to meet the uh, the Wanneroo Divas in the women's grand final in, in a week and a half or two weeks, I should say. Um, so yeah, so it's it's terrific. Wanneroo and Perth Bayswater. Basie's been in terrific form of late. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if Basie go all the way to uh, feature in the um, the second division grand final. Um, they've got some terrific young players there. Plenty of uh, yeah, plenty of momentum. Excellent. And Tesman, your Netherlands team looking good. Looking good. We'll. Um, it was so a, who, who do you guys play? Who you we play Pally. Oh, so it was okay, the Netherlands Pally result was exactly what both teams needed. For Netties to get the minor premiership, Pally to make sure they're in the top four. The draws all both teams did. So right. it's almost like they came to the agreement. <laughs> 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 uh, typical Netty scout, yeah, taking the soft option, doing the golden handshake deal. <laughs> and do you think you guys can win win next time you're playing and make the grand final? Yeah, well, away? we'll knock Pally off next week and then we'll probably see Cot in the grand final, I think. Really? Well. You think they'll beat you? Oh. Uh, Cotter, Cotter, red hot. They're peaking at the right time and then it'll be a. Uh, be a final for the ages, is what I'm thinking. <laughs> All right, good. Mitch, do you agree? Be, well, of course, I think I think uh, UWA were a little bit unlucky last time they met Cot at Cot. There was uh, some controversial cards given out, um, which we've seen to amount to nothing. Um, but uh, you know, I hate to say it, but the referee had an influence on the game. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, We'll have to see what happens. There should be there should be two good games. You never know with Cot; they are the defending premiers. Um, I noted uh, Tobias Hoskins shuffling out to the number twelve jersey uh, last weekend. So the, and Cohen Masson, um, he is an absolute um, terrific player. He's moved to number eight. He got a hat trick of tries last weekend against Kala. Um, but um, we got the PG Hampshire um, current incumbent at UWA there and Connor O'Sullivan, he's been in terrific form so the battle of the back rows is probably where it's going to be won or lost. The, the UWA set piece is pretty good but they struggled in the, sc- the scrum last time they met. I think Nettie's will be too strong for Pally. I think Pally's thrown everything at it the last few weeks and whether or not they can just get one more game under their belt down at the foreshore there will, will be a big task for them, a big ask. Uh, so I, I think um, Nettie's definitely been the um, the big dance, but we'll have to wait and see around the Cot UWA game. Certainly, home ground advantage is in Cot's favour, but you can't write out the, write off the students. They're all fired up to try and get to the a grand final, first one in a few years. Yeah, fantastic. That's all happening not this weekend, but next weekend. All right. Yeah, well, and the peach, the and just on that note, no doubt there will be a lot of awards given out um, over the next few weeks too, Mickey. The PG Hampshire Trophy that's that's wide open. There's there, that could be anyone's this year. There's so many good players that have come through the ranks um, this year and so many good young players as well. So um, the Rugby WA Awards um, will be dished out in the next fortnight as well, no doubt, when they, they can iron out when when things are happening prior to the grand final. And I thoroughly enjoyed your book, 
as well, Mickey. Which um, which book's um, that? Bitch? <laughs> <laughs> That's not Mickey. Oh, there there we go. There we go. I've got I've got my own signed version now. I've finished it already. Loved it. What's read it, it read it on the plane. Australia's toughest sports people, Mick. And where's it available? <laughs> All good bookstores. All good bookstores. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do us. Thanks, Mitch, for tuning in from Halls Creek. We'll see uh, you. Thanks, everyone. Um, glad to be part of the Rugby Business Network and uh, glad the uh, IT held up sort of, kind of. Yeah, perfect. And thanks, Tess. Enjoy the semifinals. Yeah, love it, Love that, yeah. Can't wait for it. And, um, also enjoying the read as well. He dropped one up to me up post surgery the other day. Yep. So I've got to give more. Just this, I'm still looking, still looking for myself in there. Thanks to Tyler, thanks to Gareth, thanks to Pitch Partners for providing the venue. Thanks to everyone for turning up, and we'll catch you next time on the Buggy Show. Thank you very much. <laughs>